All right, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. All right. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn into death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? I want you to think about those words there. If thou faint in the day of adversity. Is there anyone you've ever worked with, ministered to, and as you're ministering to this person, you feel like you're beating your head against a wall? You're not getting anywhere. You feel like there's nothing going on. It says if you forbear, if you fail to be patient to deliver. God is calling those of us who are spiritually strong to help those who are weak. And sometimes you get so frustrated. I'm done. I'm out of here. Never been there. The song we just sang, loneliness, sometimes heartache, all these various things, and God says, I still send you. Now, there's nothing more powerful than a radically transformed life in proclaiming the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone gets saved, they they begin to serve the Lord in church, they're faithful, they live for God, they live righteously, they live the Bible way. That a transformed life is a powerful example to the power of the gospel. And each and every one of us that know Jesus Christ have a life and a story of a radical transformation from when we were before salvation. Now, some of you might have been saved young, and you've been saved from a lot of worldly vices, a lot of worldly sins. Thank God for that. But in this passage of Scripture here, if you faint in the day of adversity when people are against you, there's been many a times I've wanted to quit. I said, it's too hard. It's too difficult. I can't do it. And God says, that's absolutely right. You can't do it. You need me. On a Sunday in July 2001, Jens Ovison, age 60, was fishing for salmon in central Norway's Guala River. The river's about 220 miles north of the capital, Oslo. Suddenly, he was swept away by a strong current. Kjell Wilhelmsen, 55, spotted the man's struggle. Wilhelmsen was a veteran fisherman who had fished the river for 25 years and knew where the current would carry Ovison. Wilhelmsen ran across the bridge waiting for Ovison as the current carried him downriver. Wilhelmsen later told the newspaper he seemed paralyzed. Only his face and the tips of his boots were above water. I decided to start casting. He starts throwing the hook in, hoping that I can catch him. His homemade lure hooked Ovison's rubber waders on the first cast about 10 yards. But Ovison weighed 246 pounds. Wilhelmsen used every fishing trick he knew to reel in the big man without breaking his light fishing line. He landed the half-conscious Jens and hauled him onto the shore. Ovison survived the ordeal. I can thank Kill for my life, Jens told reporters. Newsman tried to interview Kell Wilhelmsen soon after the incident, but he had gone fishing. <laughs> you have a light line that's too light, but I've got to try to get this man before he perishes. 
There's people all around us that are many times overwhelmed by life. They're sinking. And the only answer is not psychology, it's not some counseling, it's Jesus Christ to change the heart. And the difficulties of life in this person's life sometimes is going to take a great bit of inconvenience of you. Now how many of you want to sign up? How many of you want to get on board with what God has for your life when it means inconvenience yourself, being flexible, uh, sometimes being abused, sometimes being... All of these things in the gospel hope. Is it worth it? Jesus Christ has given us a great commission. Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to, deserve, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And God's command to us is take his message to the world. So send I you. The recipient, in Acts 1a, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. God empowers the Christian. To carry forth the message. The reward, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. One of my greatest heroes of my life, my grandmother. My grandmother was a horrible, she was a hard alcoholic. My mother kept after Grandma. Come on, come to church with us. Come to church with us. I'm not, you know. Finally, she came to church. The pastor came down and sat with them, opened a Bible, showed them how to come accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I would see my grandmother at night on her knees, and I'd hear her, and I've mentioned this many times over because I love my grandmother. She's with the Lord now. But I'd see her on her knees at night praying for me, and I heard my name out loud. The greatest inheritance my grandmother ever gave me see her on her knees praying by name for me. See her in the morning with her Bible open, a notebook there, and she's writing down and talking to me about the memorization of Scripture. That was my grandmother. My grandmother, she was out and about. She talked to people about Jesus all the time. That example affected me. My mother, obviously, pushed hard for my grandmother to come to church. Some people, when my parents were together, I'd pushed hard for them to come to church. We don't know the effect of the sowing of the seed of the gospel. We're not responsible for someone getting saved, but we are responsible for the sowing of the seed. We're responsible for giving out the hope of Jesus. I don't make someone saved. You don't make them saved. They accept the gift or they reject the gift, but that's up to them. God's the one that does the saving. God's the one that's given the gift. I just got to tell them about the gift. In the day of adversity, some things I've learned being in the ministry for a little while. You know, you think, man, I've got God's word. People are going to love you. 
<laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they don't, always. Adversity. Someone says, you jerk, get out of here. I never want to see you again. And then God says, I want you to go back to them. You mean the same person that just like bawled me out? The same person who just like cursed and swore at me? Yeah, I want you to go back to them. Okay. You can't give up. Because the gospel is our hope. It's our need, Romans 10, 13 through 15, for whosoever. That whosoever is a person that's stuck in the vile things of sin. It's a person that's very wealthy and thinks they have it all made. And anywhere in between. It's from one culture to the other culture. God knows no bounds. We all bleed red. We're all the human race. There's only one race, the human race. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Why don't you turn with me here to Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10. You see, church, if we lose our focus on the gospel, Jesus is the hope. Jesus is our thanks. And God's continually convicting me. And I just keep mentioning this about the thanks and the praise, but what's your, you know, my daughter sometimes, she'll do something. Daddy, look at what I did. She's so excited. Daddy, look at what I did. You know, if you've done something and you want someone to notice it and you're really excited, maybe she's drawn something and it looked to me, it looks like scribble, but to her it's really important because she's made it out of her heart and it's really important and she's so excited she wants me to show it. When you're excited for something, you want to tell people about it. You know, if someone, I, I don't, the lottery is bad, but if someone were to win the lottery, they're like, woo! You know, lottery's not good, bingo's bad, it's all gambling, it's all wrong, it's it. But, or someone wins a hockey game. Woo! <laughs> you're excited. What you're happy about. If you're happy about the Lord Jesus Christ and your relationship with him, you're going to want to tell others about him. You're going to want to help people to understand who Jesus is. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Look with me. For whosoever. What does whosoever mean? Whoever, right? anyone, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. How then shall they call on him who have not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Uh-oh, there's a problem. Someone hasn't heard. And you know, what? even in this community, with several churches here in town, and churches having been in this community for a while, there's people that have never heard. I've gone to funerals that I've done, and I've talked to some people. I said, I remember this one particular funeral that I did. I asked this lady, she had a common law, and he passed away. I asked her, I said, would you like me to read Psalm 23? And she asked me, she goes, what's that? Psalm 23. Here in a land that's had the Bible for, in our language for a long time. And this lady asked me, what's Psalm 23? Have not heard how shall they hear without a preacher? 
Now, preacher there is a messenger, not just a pastor, not just a missionary and evangelist. We are all preachers or proclaimers of the good news of Jesus, if you know Jesus as your Savior. People won't know the gospel, the good news, and let's go on from here. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, in my grandmother's life, after she accepted Jesus Christ, was there ever challenges? Of course there were. Were there difficulties? Yes, there were. But there's a peace inside of an assurance that, I'm right, that I have a relationship with God. Now, if I live opposed to God, as, as James lets us know, I'll be double-minded. I'll grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And a, a double-minded Christian is the most miserable person on earth because they want what God wants, but yet they want to live for their sins, and their life is miserable. I'm going to read this illustration, then I'll pray. The sailors open up the introduction, but the sailors' home in Liverpool was once at, on fire at night in a great cry of fire was raised. When the people assembled, they saw in the upper story some men crying for help. The fire escape did not nearly reach where the men were. A long ladder was brought and put against the burning building, but it was too short. A British sailor in the crowd soon rushed up the ladder, balanced himself on the uppermost round with his foot, and seized the windowsill with his hands and shouted, Quick, men, scramble over my body, on the ladder, and down you go. One by one, the men came down until all were saved, and the sailor came down, his face burnt, his hair singed, and his fingers blistered. But he had saved the men. The latter went a long way, but before the men could be saved, it needed the length of a man. End quotes Charles Leach. That's what Jesus did. To reach you and me and anyone else with a gift that you can get to God through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on that cross. You see, the joy of the Christian life, it starts with the gift of Jesus, the true gospel hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I do, Lord, dedicate this time to you. And as we've read the scriptures, fainting in the day of adversity, Father, there's a great challenge before us. And Lord, how wearying it can be to try to help those who may be in conflict with us. We want to give up. We want to faint. We want to just throw in the towel. But Father, there's a command to not faint. There's a command in Proverbs, Lord, as you've given to us to continue to push forward. And sometimes we say, well, I didn't know they were perishing, Lord, but you've called us to stay strong. And Lord, within a church, we encourage and help one another in seasons of great turmoil to help, Lord, to give out the good news of Jesus. Lord, it's not easy at times, but we have your almighty presence with us. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning, encourage hearts. Lord, may we realize how important it is for the gospel. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for being our dear and precious Savior. I yield this morning to thee. You take over, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. When you think about this in Proverbs chapter 24, if thou forbear, or if you fail to deliver them that are drawn into death, those that are ready to be slain. If I fail, forbear is an idea, a thought of bearing up under the assault of another. 
It's not easy to stop, to cease, cease from helping someone, to release as from restraint, to set at liberty. And uh, you think about this thought. Now, we need to be, this, this is why, Christian, it is so pivotal, so important. As John 15 tells us about being connected to the vine, that this book, on a daily basis, is not just an, a religious exercise that I'm supposed to read it because that's what Christians do. But I'm meditating on this book. And what I mean by meditate is this book is my spiritual lifeline. It's my spiritual steak and potatoes. I'm reading it and I'm writing down my thoughts as God is speaking to me. It's this book through the Spirit of God and this book that changes us. He says, if you forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death. I want you to notice with me, if someone is drowning and you have a boat and you have a life preserver with you and you don't throw the life preserver, who is accountable for that person's death? If you have it at your disposal to throw the life preserver with a line and, and maybe you throw it out there and the person is still having the ability of some strength to grasp that life preserver and put their arm around it and you could pull them into shore. You would be liable. You see that and you do nothing. That's the idea here. Those that are ready to be slain. What if someone you saw from a distance, was running with a knife to stab someone else. And you don't give a warning and you see this. Verse 12, Behold, we knew it not. I didn't know they'd be slain. I just saw a guy running with a knife in an angry attitude. It says, Doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? God says, I know what your heart is. He that keepeth thy soul, doth, he not, doth not he know it? God knows what your soul is. And shall not he, God, render to every man according to his works? You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was cast out. I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't been stoned. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally, he almost died from being stoned to death. Almost. But he said, I got to get the message out. You may be tempted to quit or lessen your activities because of adversity. It's not worth it! I can't do it. I'm too weak. We need the help of each other in a church. We need the Word of God. You know, there's nothing wrong with sometimes saying, hey, could you come along and pray with me? Could you help me? I'm really hurting. That's okay. 
Brothers and sisters in the Lord, encouraging one another. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but this is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now, this is easy to say. God never gives us more than we can handle. Woohoo! That's good. But then when you're in the fire, and you're in the hard place, and you're in the storms of life, you're thinking, this is more than I can handle. I want to quit. And the Bible is saying, listen, there's still some people in the face of adversity. Don't quit. You realize, look with me at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Look with me at Galatians 6, 1 and 2. You realize this continuance, it doesn't just apply to unbelievers. It applies to the lost as well. Or, excuse me, it applies to believers as well, excuse me. It doesn't just apply to the lost and those who don't know Jesus Christ, who are not born again. It applies to believers as well. In our lives, there's a continual... If you see someone who is maybe driving their car, and you're on the side of the road, and you know there's a cliff ahead, you know the road is washed out, and there's a 500-foot embankment or some very deep embankment, and they won't make it. And so you walk up that road as far up as you can come, and you're like, stop! Stop! And then you start running, stop! As the car races by. And hopefully the driver sees it and goes, oh, maybe they want me to stop. Because it's the end of their life if they don't. Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of pride? No. Condemnation? No. It says meekness. Wherein you are considering the well-being of the person more than yourself, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. He's saying, listen here, I could, by the grace of God, be in the same condition as the person I'm trying to help rescue. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see that embankment. You see that cliff. You see that washed out road. And you've had a long night. And you're tired and you're exhausted. Faint not. First John 3, 16 through 17. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Trying to help. Trying to be an encouragement. What is the course of this fainting and this adversity? If I, as I see this Proverbs chapter 24, if I cease or I will not help deliver someone who's being pulled to death or ready to be slain, devoured, then God weighs my actions and he rewards me accordingly. There are those that are overtaken. It says overtaken. That means they're, they're in a fault and they're no longer in control. Have you ever seen someone go a course of life and their life gets out of control and they're like, I don't know what to do. 
Everything I do is just a mess. Everything's just, it's out of my, I, uh, I'm going to pull my hair out. Everything's out of control. I'm lost. Where do I go? What do I do? God. Oh. It takes a mature believer who has a daily walk with Jesus Christ. Don't quit. Is it really important that I'm meditating on God's word daily? It is. Because you're going to want to faint, you're going to want to give in, you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to say, they're not worth it. I'm too tired. I can't handle it. I'm out of here. I have no strength if this book is not the centerpiece of my life and my relationship with God. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If you knew there was a lion, or a tiger, or a cougar, or a pack of wolves, and they were feasting on humans, and you knew about it, and you said nothing, it would be a great hurt. The term forbear can also be understand to have patience with someone drawn into death. I can tell speaking about God because no one else is really able to ponder or weigh my heart. And shall not render to every man according to his work. Look with me at Ezekiel 3. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, or speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Verse 18 of Ezekiel 3, now verse 19. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou wast delivered thy soul. And again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin. His righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned, also thou hast delivered thy soul. He's saying, listen, there's an important calling. He said, you're not just giving out the loss and you're a watchman. He said, you've got to, even the righteous, if they're going in the wrong direction, the Christians going in the wrong direction, give warning. Hey, this is not a good thing to do. There can't be a failure. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise, Proverbs 11.30. And there's fruit. Now, we have the courage, and I just want to hasten on this this morning, Mark chapter 5. And this is the maniac of Gadara, the man with an unclean spirit. And he's got a legion of angels, or a legion of demons. He's demon-possessed, he's struggling, he's hurting. And the area Jesus is visiting was, a half, was of the half-tribe of Manasseh. It's there on east of the Jordan River. 
and uh, it was an area known for really violating uh, the Lord's uh, laws and, and going against what God had wanted to do. And um, in verse 2 of Matthew, Mark 5, Mark 5, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, how many of you want to go see this guy, go visit him? How many of you want to be around this guy? <laughs> this is normally, I would say by population-wise, and ta- of our society, something where we want to leave. We want to walk away, right? That's our, that would be our usual case here. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He cried with a loud voice and said, Whatever I do to thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God, I jure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he sought him much that he would send them away out of the country. There was nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Now, are swine kosher? <laughs> are, they, are they clean or unclean animals? They're unclean, right? They're not Jewish approved. They're not what God had approved for the Jewish people. And they violated God. And, and they're going in, in this area which is violating God and gone into idolatry. Here's the demons. And yet Jesus goes there. He was accused of eating and drinking with publicans and sinners and the, 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 you know, the crooked uh, tax collector and, and sinners of all various types of sin. Uh, he, the, even the girl that was grievously vexed with the devil. A father came to him and he said, my son is a lunatic. He falls into the fire and he falls into the water like he's trying to kill himself. And yet, he said, please have mercy on my son. The woman caught in adultery. But do you realize that Jesus would even come to the religious people and realize that they needed hope as well? Now, he was very forthright with them. He was very, uh, he told them who they were. You see, we can't quit getting out the gospel. We can't faint when the person to whom I'm ministering is a difficult case. Sometimes we want to. Sometimes you feel like you've just beat your head against the wall and you're bloodied up because you've done it. Jesus gives an admonition to the church of Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2. He says, you've done a lot of good works, but you've left your first love. He says, if you leave your first love of Jesus Christ, I'm going to remove your candlestick. I'll remove the blessings from you. Now, the man that's here, he's a public nuisance, he's demon-possessed, he's quite a, uh, he's a societal, I mean, no one wants him. I mean, he's outside of town. He's a pain. He's a difficulty. The unclean spirits, in fact, they fear Jesus. In fact, it says they torment him. But these spirits are submissive to Jesus Christ. You see, Christian, in 1 John 4, 4, year of God, little children have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
there's times where I know there's movies and other things that talk about spirits and ghosts and all sorts of things, and we can get, we, we be like, oh, that's really scary stuff. You and I as believers, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we have the Spirit of God within us. And if I'm walking with Jesus and I have a relationship, a vibrant relationship with Jesus in the Word of God daily, and I'm walking with Him, there's nothing they can do to me that God doesn't allow. Greater is He that's in you. And, and Jesus goes to this man. He didn't faint. Now He's Jesus. But there's an awe of when this man is delivered. And they that fed the swine fled and told in the city and the counties they went out to see what it was that was done. You know, and, and Jesus sends the devils out of the man, verse 12, that we may enter him. And forthwith, verse 13, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place in the sea. There were about 2,000 were choked in the sea. So there's an awful, I mean, but the, the awfulness we see is that the people are more concerned about their financial loss. This man, you know, we lost our pigs. We lost our money. And many times we can, you know, this idea of the money. They worship the money more than they did of God. But the victor in this is Jesus Christ brought order and peace. Verses 18 through 20. I am hastening this on. In verse 18, when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed, Jesus goes into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Who's the victor here? It's Jesus Christ. The former demoniac was now sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. He brought sanity where there was insanity before. He brought order where there was chaos. Realize wherever the gospel comes into a place that might be completely pagan, the gospel comes in and it transforms that culture. When people accept Christ, it changes homes. Now, if families begin to deviate from God and get away from them, then chaos begins to ensue again. So the thing is that we as believers, the true gospel hope, if you faint in the day of adversity, when life just gets difficult, you'll never see the demoniac healed. You'll never see other challenges of life. You'll never see individuals who are ensnared by Satan freed. If you can't get past the fainting. The passing out. I'm too tired. I'm giving up. I'm going home. In conclusion, society might take our outcasts, seeks to institutionalize them, medicate them. Same thing they did in Jesus' day. Sin has no bias. Sin has no racism. It sees no culture or skin color. It affects everyone. It seeks to destroy each and every person and bring them to hell. Jesus, in John 6, 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. What is the use of bread if it's never eaten? You're hungry, and there's a loaf of bread, and it's good bread. It's not moldy. There's bread on your counter, and you don't eat it. What good is that bread? It's just going to go to waste. I'm fainting. I'm too tired. If you go to the orphanage, you'll see a large batch of bread there kept upon the shelves in this illustration. 
It must not be eaten the first day, you know. It would go too fast and would be, not be very wholesome for the youngsters. It must get rather staler by being kept a little while. Now suppose that I were to go down there and say to the baker, lock that door, I want to keep that bread. I'm going away to a town and I shall take the key with me that I may save that bread. Suppose I were to do so and come back in a couple of months' time. Should I say to myself, I have saved the batch of bread? I am afraid that it would turn out to be very bad economy. Look, let us look and look at the loaves which we have kept from use. Come away at once. Now, if you go away for a couple months and you're a baker and you've baked all this bread, uh, that bread will be decayed. <laughs> It'll not be good anymore. So the question this morning, the precious bread must be eaten. The precious bread must be given. The good news of Jesus Christ. People are looking for Jesus Christ. They're looking for people who aren't fainting. How are you not quitting? How are you not giving up in the face of adversity? The truth is, I need Jesus. I need the word of God. This is our hope. If they'll faint in adversity, if they'll faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is the gospel your hope? Is the gospel the good news. And if you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ, realize this, you can't fix your problems. Realize outbursts of anger, inclination, inclination to say a harsh word is, is a sin against God. The only solution to our problems is Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We've told one lie, we've said God's name in vain or anything else. It's a, it's a sin. We've sinned and we're now guilty. We're under the judgment of God. And I encourage you this morning to realize your condition. Realize the gift that Jesus has given. It's free. It's not going to church, not being a good person. It's not saying some magical secret prayer. It's simply by faith accepting Jesus Christ who died on that cross to forgive you of all your sins and be your Savior. And if you accept it by faith, it's a gift you accept it by faith. The Bible says you're born again. You can't trust good works or anything else, being belonging to a church, baptism, or anything else to save you. It is only Jesus. I'll leave you with this thought, James 4, 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Your light, is sh your light and life are short. May we not faint in the day of adversity. So we come to the time of invitation this morning. Uh, maybe you're at a place in your life and you say, I want to faint. I want to give up. There's some adversity. There's some struggles in my life, and I'm really struggling. I want to encourage you, number one, make this a priority above everything else. If that adversity's coming, pour more into this book. If you need help, I'd be happy to sit down with you. If you want to pray, I'd be happy to pray with you. But we got to get in this book. And then remove sin from my life, remove sin from my house, and plead with God to help me for the strength for those who are perishing. The true gospel hope. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, number one, as a Christian, don't faint. If you don't know Christ, accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Accept, ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. And you'll be gloriously saved. You'll be a child of God. You'll have troubles, but you'll have Jesus there with you. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, when you're done praying, feel free to look up, and then I'll conclude us in a word of prayer this morning.
I trust this challenged you, encouraged you. Don't faint. Keep pressing on for Jesus. Amen. there's even now someone you might be finding who is in that very condition of being overtaken. And we as a believer plead much with God for those individuals, saved or unsaved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just yield today to you. I thank you for being our wonderful Savior. And God, I pray. Lord, I know as we sang that last song, it can be lonely. It can be difficult. Uh, it can be challenging to be not liked. It's not a position any of us like, Father, but Lord, I pray that you'd help us to not faint, to persevere, to push forward for you. Lord, I love you. Thank you for being our dear and precious Savior. You're a marvelous God. And we yield this morning to you. God, I pray if there's anyone not saved that's watching, They'd call out to Jesus to be gloriously saved. And so, God, thank you for your help. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God.